You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. So, John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Um, as a really quick reminder, uh, last week I gave an intro to the letter of 1 John, and we talked about the first four verses, and uh, it's, it is important to have a context of what the, the background of the letter is and, and the reasons that John is writing this letter. That audio will be online t- tonight or tomorrow, and you can listen to it from last week. But just in short, John is writing the letter to deal with issues going on in this group of people. And this group of people had uh, issues really related to who they believed Jesus was, that Jesus was not the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God, or that Jesus was not actually a human being. Jesus was a human being, by the way. This is not just the Bible's claim, but this is, this is the claims of non-Christian historians at the time that the Bible was written, that we, there are decisions we need to make about who Jesus is, who he really was, if he was who he claimed to be or not. That's a legitimate thing to wrestle with, but whether he existed or not as a human being, that's not up for debate. And so, but what these people believed is that even more strange that Jesus lived, but he wasn't actually a human being. Okay? And they did that because they had this very specific philosophy that created things. The, the material world was bad, and that the spiritual world was good, and so therefore God can't ever be physical, because that's evil. And so, in addition to that, they believed that uh, they were that what was done in the body, what they did with their lives, the actions that they took, that those things weren't good or bad, okay? That they were themselves irrelevant almost because anything done in the body to them was less than spiritual, was less than good. So therefore, if I do something to you, if I hurt you, uh, it, it has no relevance to God because we're already kind of in like a, a brokenness anyway. Anything I do in the body, it doesn't matter, okay? So... So don't let, don't like it, it completely changed the way that they thought about ethics, the way they thought about what God required of people, the way they understood what makes a good world. And so John's writing to confront these and other issues. And uh, then he says this in verse five, this is the message we have heard from him. He's referring to Jesus. John knew Jesus. He says, this is the message we've heard from Jesus and that now we declare to you. And then he gives this really simple one line. 
God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, the way that the letter, the, the way that John organizes his letter is that this verse, what we did last week was an introduction. This verse starts the first theme in the letter, and there's really two themes. This theme is God is light, and everything coming after this today and tomorrow and maybe the, the, next, the next verses as well, all are within this theme of John saying that God is light, whatever that means. Next, after this, he'll say, this is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you that God is love. And so then everything after that is going to be somehow in this theme of what it means that God is love. And so this is very John to do. He chooses these big, very simple, very kind of clear, but at the same time, like it's not really clear what he means by these things. But this is how he wants to define God. So he begins, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And this is the message. He says, that's the message I want to tell you about, that I remind you about that they have forgotten. So what does it mean that God is light. And so first, I just want you to start thinking to yourself about what light is to you. Uh, what is, it, we'll, we'll keep going in a minute to see how John defines it very specifically. But light does a few things. Light, very, some of this is pretty obvious, but just stay with me. Light reveals things. You turn a light on, let's say we're in a dark room, you can't see anything, and you turn a light on, what is significant about the light is that it causes you to be able to see everything else in the, in the room. If you're standing in front of a mirror and it's pitch black, you can't see yourself. In fact, the mirror kind of ceases to have any function. The minute that you turn the light on, all of a sudden you can see yourself as you are. If you were in a dark room your entire life, you'd have no idea what you looked like. And it's the light itself that reveals who you are. So that's what the function of light, what it does, how it's used is it reveals things. And then in the same way that it reveals things, it's used to show the way. If you're walking somewhere in the pitch black and you can't see where you're going, you, you take a light, a flashlight, whatever, you turn it on, and all of a sudden you can see the path. And these images are used throughout the scriptures to talk about God, to talk about the scriptures. Your word, it says in the Psalms, is a light unto my feet. It's the way that I'm able to see how I go. And what he wants to say is John defines, John defines God and life and the way that our lives are supposed to go in these big images of, in the letter, love and, and light and life and truth. And these things are, are interchangeable for John. They all mean something specific, but John just uses them interchangeably. These are the important things, light and life and truth and love. It's Jesus. John wrote the Gospel of John as well, as we talked about last week, and this is something that... Uh, Jesus said about himself in John chapter 12, which John records. Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. It's easy to read passages like this and get nothing out of it. Uh, but I want you to think about why God is light. What does that mean? And what is God not? I mean, even in this passage, he says, God is light. And here's what that means. Therefore, in him there is no darkness. And he means this. It's, John is a very black and white writer. On the one hand, there's light. On the other hand, there's darkness. God is in the light. Light and darkness cannot come together. Where there is, where there is light in darkness, darkness ceases to exist. And so he says, it, darkness, we'll talk about what it means later, but there is none in God. That's the important part. It's easy to pass over that quickly. But God is a light means that 
if a, oh, I kind of get ahead of myself here, but if you come to God as a light, what God's going to do is he's not going to push you around and he's not going to tell you what to do even necessarily. What does a light do? Light, lights don't speak. And I know God speaks, but just stay with me for a minute. Lights don't speak. Lights don't make noise. Lights don't do anything except what they do. And they're happy to just shine. And, and the fact that they are who they are does something very powerful that you can't get away from. I'll just say that for now. So John keeps going. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then his, the point he's trying to make. And he's talking to these people, and he's talking to us. By the way, this is first and foremost for you if you claim to be a follower of Jesus. It's also for you, very clearly, if you aren't sure about that, but you, you do claim to believe in God or believe in his spirituality or higher power, anything like that. If you don't believe in God, well, there's something coming for you too in a, in a little while. But very clearly, this is to us. If we claim to have fellowship with him, with God, so fellowship, which we talked about last week, means to share in a relationship, communion, to be connected to. If we claim to know God, to be connected to him, if we claim to have a relationship with God, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. John's very clear, so it's not clear what he means yet by darkness, but he says, if we say that we know God, yet we do this thing called walk in darkness, we're liars. He doesn't, he doesn't like pull punches. He doesn't, it's just very clear to John. We are liars and we do not live out the truth. Now these words walk and live out are very similar. Uh, walk, to walk, I mean, maybe you kind of like instinctively know what it means, but it, it, means, to how, it means the way that you conduct your life. We may think sometimes that this is all about what you believe here, that there's a bunch of people gathered in this place that, for whatever reason, have chosen to believe these things. That's true, but what the Bible's about is not simply believing things as in cognitively believing things, but it's about believing something that then causes your conduct of life to change. Uh, John was a Jewish person, and his worldview is so different than ours that sometimes we don't, we just assume we know what he means, but for John, for truth to be truth, and this is important for the whole letter, this little part, so if you don't catch anything, just catch this part. For truth to be truth, for love to be love, for life to be life, it must be done. Truth without doing truth, like truth without it affecting how you live is not truth, or you haven't gotten it. Love, and we, I think we know this instinctively in our culture though, love that is not action is not love whether we felt something or not, love that does not translate itself into sacrificial action for other people or for God was not love to begin with or we have not taken it inside yet. So he says, if we claim by my word that I have a relationship with God, yet I do this thing, I conduct my life in the darkness where God is not, I'm lying and I do not live out the truth, meaning even more important, I don't believe it. I don't know it. No matter what I say, John's very clear about this because the people that were there were teaching and saying things. And he's, he's just calling them liars. And he's saying, you can say one thing, we know God, but if your life looks differently, you're lying. That's how we know. On the other hand, if we do this thing called walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have relationship with one another. You catch this change? 
First he says, if we claim we have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we're liars. But if we walk in the light, on the other hand, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He switches what he's saying about having fellowship with God to having fellowship with one another. And this is another key part that's coming next week, especially too, is to know God, to love God, to have fellowship with God is to have fellowship with other people. Again, the word fellowship is maybe not the best word to use for us today. To have a good relationship with God means you will have a good relationship with other people. To have a good relationship with other people means, if it's truly good, you'll have a good relationship with God. He exchanges them to make a point. That if we walk in the light, our life, meaning our relationships with other people, will be uh, defined by this thing called fellowship, true community, sacrificial community, or the word that we use that's around spiritual family. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have, we have it already, fellowship with one another, and then this. And this opens up what the passage means with one another. And the blood of Jesus, God's son, purifies us from all sin. The word sin, as we've talked about before, so I won't spend too much time on it, although John's going to hit it again and again and again in the next few verses. Sin in the Greek literally translates to, I mean, what the words mean specifically, means to not have a share in something, okay? To not participate in something, In the same way that fellowship means to participate in a relationship with someone, sin means to have no participation. And now, the way that we usually talk about it, besides the fact that it's doing bad things, which actually it is, but we'll talk about that in a a minute, is to miss the mark. If you've probably heard this, if you've been here or in churches, to miss the mark means that when someone said sin in this day, the person that heard it would think about pulling back an arrow to hit at a target and being unable to hit the target no matter how close they came to the target, no matter what they did, no matter how much training they did, incapable of hitting the target. So there's this concept of sin that is important. And the question of the passage that's going to come is if we actually believe in it or not. We usually, we usually don't talk about this too much because most people, I think, are, are aware of sin, even if they say they don't believe, but we are aware of it. But sin, in addition to not being able to get it right, or to having no participation in life, or love, or light, or truth, or God, is what it means. To, to be in sin means to have no participation in God. The blood of Jesus, he says, if we're in the light, does this thing automatically. It purifies us from all, or the word every, sin. What I would think when I heard this passage before, and you read it quickly, or if you just asked me what the darkness was, what I might say is that the darkness is, is sinning. You know, like you walk in the light is to be, is to walk in purity, and to walk in the darkness is to sin. And there's even parts of John can almost sound like that sometimes. But John's going to make it very clear what he means. So, for a second, I want you to think about sin as the most simple definition you can think of, and that is doing bad things. Uh, Doing things that are unethical, doing things that are selfish, doing things that are not from love. Sin is anything from, from a very clear 
issue of social injustice or racism to lust or sexual brokenness or selfishness or lying or judging others or um, being a shopaholic. You know, like sin is all-encompassing. And so I want you to just think for a moment about you and yours and think about what those are just recently. We all have it. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So the common way of thinking about God in here and on the streets, if you just ask people, is that God can't be near sin, right? It's not completely untrue, but I want you to think about this, that God can't be near sin. Sin is in darkness. God is in light. God does not sin. Therefore, if we walk in darkness, it means to be to sin. That is not what John means at all. That's, in fact, not really good news. I mean, it wouldn't be positive news. I told you that today. The, the takeaway with that, the application of that is don't sin. Not if you want to know God. Don't. But that's not what John actually says. This is sin, by the way. That my inability, whatever I do, to remember where this went is an example of brokenness. So he says, and then he's going to come back. We're going to come back to that. Don't worry. But he, he says the same thing, or he says this. He's going to say it again. He says, if we claim, by the way, eight and nine, we're almost done actually, eight and nine are going to be the center of what he means, the answer to his question. might not seem like it right away, but it's the answer to what he's saying. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I'm going to keep going. We'll and then we'll talk about both. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So remember what John's doing very clearly. God is light. In him is no darkness. There's this thing called light. There's this thing called darkness. We can either walk and conduct our lives in light or walk and conduct our lives in darkness. By the way, this is true for every human being. John's simplistic. He's not pulling punches. Everything he says here, he wants it to be cut and dry for everyone you meet everyone you know. So he says this. So what does it mean, John, to walk in the darkness? And he says this. If we claim to be without sin, remember he's already said if we claim to have fellowship with God, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So walking, what does it mean to walk in darkness? Walking in darkness means not sinning, Interestingly enough, it means claiming to not have sin. Darkness is not something, this is also necessary to get, darkness is not something that he says is inside of us, primarily. And light is not something that we are, it's what God is, and it's not something that is necessarily inside of us, it's not the point he's making, it's something that we walk in that we move it's there and we move into it or we move out of it. Darkness is not something that is inside of us and it's not simply, it does not mean to commit sin. It's a way of life and it's primarily here a blindness to sin. The inability to see who God is and who others are. Remember what darkness does? Is darkness hides the reality of things. In the darkness, I do not see sin and it causes me to claim that I have none. I do not see God for who he is. I do not see myself for who I am. This is good news. It says then, on the other hand, what is light? If we confess our sins, God is faithful 
and is just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what he's saying here is that I can walk my life in two ways. I can walk my life by claim, you know, in a way that claims that I have no sin. Or I can walk my life in a way that confesses sin. God is light is important here because God's, if God is a light, it means his desire is to reveal things. His desire is to reveal reality and make things clear to people. His, he doesn't reveal himself as a person who just hates sin, of which he does, just like you would hate sin if it was done to you or a child or someone like that. But he says, if we claim to be without sin, we, number one, deceive ourselves, self-deception, and the truth, again, we don't actually believe the truth. We have not taken it in. On the other hand, if we confess our sins, confess means to agree with something. All he's saying is to agree, to make known, to speak out, to confess my sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light is living life according to what we have heard. That's all he's saying. This is super simple. Living in the light just means living my life according to the message from Jesus that I've heard, which we call the good news or the gospel. God is light, and the point, the point that he's making is not that we should be light, it's that we're not. That's the point. God is light, and we are not, and his light illuminates my life and reveals who I am. The sign that he's revealing who I am is my awareness that I'm a human being, that I'm flawed, that I'm sinful, that I'm in need of him. That's how I know I'm in the light. It is, that real, it is the realization that I am who I am, that it is me, that I am broken. And the confession, confession, it, it means all of what you probably think it means. It means to go to someone and to tell them. It doesn't mean less than that. It also means, though, in your heart, there's a, there's a very fine line, by the way, between what I'm talking about and shame. And I'm not talking about shame, but I'm talking about in your heart agreeing with the reality of who you are. Shame actually doesn't come from doing that. Shame keeps you from doing that. Shame is something that happens in the darkness. Shame is the desire to hide, which is what happens in the darkness. In the light, there's no desire to hide because the light, if you've seen, is a purifying thing. It's a place where there is not judgment. There's forgiveness. And so being in the light, being in a relationship with God that is healthy, there is no shame in it. There is a desire to make known and confess because I know that when I do that, it opens me up to forgiveness and life. He says this again. He just wants to make his point clear. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Why, does he make, why do we make, like, first of all, who claims to be without sin? I think some, some of us might think like, okay, like maybe we don't use the word sin, but most people are going to say I'm not perfect. You know, like isn't that kind of normal? Wouldn't most people say if they were pressed, well, of course I'm not perfect. But one thing that John means by sin that most of us don't mean is sin is connected to what we've done to God. 
So to say I've sinned doesn't just mean I've did something bad. It means I've done something to God. Of course, most people don't believe that. Saying that I sin is, is owning that I am less than perfect, that I am completely broken. I am completely helpless. Paul uses his own words to describe the same things that John talks about, another writer in the Bible. And, and, and Paul likes talking about life and death. And Paul likes saying that here, this idea that we're in darkness or in sin. John will say we're in darkness. You can't see anything. You can't live life. You can't, you're going to stumble and trip on everything. Paul says, just like that, you're dead. You're unable to do anything apart from God. To breathe, to try to do good, everything's death. And so this is exactly the same thing that John means. To claim to not be that. To claim to not be utterly helpless and unable to do life is to make God out to be a liar. Okay, so I don't know that most of us claim, believe that kind of thing. Why do we make God out to be a liar, though? Is because... God has said that he is light for a reason. He thinks we need to come into his light. And the reason that he sent Jesus is because he thinks that we're completely helpless and unable and need somebody to offer us purification and righteousness and life. And so what he's saying is if we claim that, if we claim that we're not that, what we're saying is that God's lying. That, he, that what he thinks about us is not true. What he thinks about the world is not true. And, and what, the, what he, the reason he sent Jesus even was untrue. The truth, his word, the message is not in us. It's very important what he means here at the end. John doesn't care to a point what they say. The whole, the whole, the whole letter of John is going to be like this, by the way. It's a challenge. He doesn't care what they say. The test for what they say or what I say or what you say is, is the way our life looks. Now, the catch is usually the way that we say that is. If you want to see if I really believe what I say, then look at my life. But what you should look for is not perfection. You should look for confession. What you should look for in my life is a reality of my brokenness, not, not being broken. It doesn't mean, as we'll talk about next week, John's going to get into the other fun issue of obedience, of what it means to obey. So it's not that it doesn't matter. That's what other people are saying. It's that the test to see if I believe is by whether I'm aware of my brokenness, whether I come to God for it, not whether I'm able to overcome it on my own. Does this make sense? The temptation is to overcome it on your own, which just further reveals that we're broken. So in kind of... uh, to, to kind of try to put all these little things together. What is light? John says God is light and God is in the light. Okay? Light is like a space. It sounds like it, it's a quality, but it's also like a place that you can walk in. It's a way of life. And then when we are in the light, John says these things happen. We have right relationship with God. We have right relationship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all every sin. Not even a question of how bad it is or what happened or what it was like. It's very cut and dry. There's purification for everything. When we're in the light, we actually live out the truth. We don't believe it simply, but it, it, it brings itself out into our lives. In the light, we confess sin. 
we receive forgiveness and we are purified or we find purification from the brokenness, the real brokenness of our life. On the other hand, darkness, there is none in God. And when we are in the darkness, we do not have fellowship with God. We cannot. We do not have true community with other people. This is what the Bible says. If we desire to really know others, to have community, to feel family, John says that if we are in the darkness, it's impossible to have that. The desire to have that is good. It's from God. The desire to be connected with others is good. But outside of light, outside of God, we can't. If we say that we have no sin in the darkness, we, we're actually living a lie. He says our whole life is a lie if we cannot accept the basic truth that we are broken to the core. Our life is a lie, and we do not live out the truth. We claim to be without sin in, in the darkness. And this can look different for everybody, but in some ways we claim to be without need, independent. We claim to be without sin. In the darkness, we are self-deceived. The truth is the truth, and we just can't see it. We do not, ha- we, we, we do not have not. We do not, we have not internalized, I don't know who makes these slides, but we have not internalized the truth. This is important. We haven't internalized it. It has not taken root in us. The sign that it's taken root in us is that we have an awareness of our brokenness and an awareness of our need for God to heal it. In the darkness, we make God out to be a liar and we do not receive forgiveness. There is no forgiveness in the darkness. There is no forgiveness. More, and more important, because some of us might not care whether God forgives us. More important, we cannot experience a sense of forgiveness or a sense of purifying or a sense of freedom from it without being in the light. How do we know when we're in the light? Just to be clear again, 1 John 1, 9. The, this is the, his one way that we know in the passage. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the clearest thing he says for how you know if someone's in the light. Not somebody that's, that, not even someone that's overcome sin. Not even, which is good. Not somebody who has no sin, which is fantastic. It's somebody that confesses their sin. And again, I want to say, of course, it's sharing it with someone, which you should find people that you can be honest with, who are trustworthy, who also will confess sin, who you can do that with. But it begins with being real. And I don't know how to tell anyone besides myself how to do that, but how to accept the things that are true about you without letting it go to a place of shame, but confessing it to God. How do we know we're in the darkness, which anyone can be, whether we claim to know God or not? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if we claim that we have no need of God, we have no need of Jesus today or ever, then we're in the darkness and we're actually just in deception because God says the human condition is dead and broken and in need of him. And the good news is God's not judging. God's not judging where we're at. God is a judge. God's a righteous judge, which he even says. And therefore, in a, in a universe that is actually in the end just, we will receive the end of our sin. 
which will not be good. However, God's desire, his, how he defines himself as here, is light. And he's not a light that just wants to expose, if you've caught it. He's not light that just wants to like shine a light on me and say, look who you really are. He says that he is light. In him there is no darkness, by the way. We just still have trouble believing that he's completely good. In him there is no darkness. There is only a light that when it comes on us and we are in it, we immediately receive forgiveness, purification, and righteousness. So he's a light that is completely good. And then the last part, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He says this, and it shows how much he cares about these people, by the way. My dear children. John's an old man at this point. My dear children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. So lest we've misunderstood, John doesn't want them to sin. Just because it's about confessing sin doesn't mean you should keep sinning so you have more to confess. He's saying, My, I'm writing this so that you don't. But it's, it's like he's saying, let's be real. Where none of us are without it. I'm writing this to you so you won't. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, like a lawyer, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. What this means, the word advocate is used for the Holy Spirit, and it's really always seen as like someone who is, has the, the, who has fellowship with God the Father, who has perfect relationship, and who, just like Jesus does in, in chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, he gives this long prayer where he prays to the Father for us. And what he's doing in John 17 is he's advocating, if you read it. He's asking the Father for things. And it's not that the Father doesn't want to do them. I mean, Jesus says he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only says what the Father says. Even his prayer, even his desire to advocate comes from God's desire for someone to advocate for you, for someone to remember you. And so he says, we have an advocate, a lawyer with the Father, the righteous one. What it means is the only one who is without sin. And then he says this, he's, he, he uses a courtroom, he's the advocate with the Father, a lawyer that cannot lose, and he is the atoning sacrifice, so it's a courtroom, and then it's a, um, temple. It's a temple. He says he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he's saying, we have this person, I'm writing this to you so you don't sin. Why not sin? It's because sin is very bad for you. I, sometimes it's made light of in our culture, but in reality, in the human heart, like don't like the word sin or it's overused or it has connotations, but everyone gets it. God has never sinned, cannot sin, and will not sin, not because God doesn't just like doing bad things, as if that's just why. It's because sin is a bondage. Sin is a controlling force, just like darkness, by the way. If you're in the darkness, you're a slave to it. You can't get out of it, unless you have a light. You can't get through it, you can't get out of it, and it's controlling everything you do. Everything I stub my toe on and trip over and walk through is because I'm in the darkness. God will not let that happen to himself. He will not be controlled by anyone or anything. He will not be... Uh, put in bondage or made a slave to anyone or anything. And he made us to be the same way. 
the whole desire that we don't want to be controlled or told what to do, which unfortunately is what much of religion or even Christianity can feel like or has been said to be like, is actually the complete opposite of what God wants. The reason he's saying, I write this to you so that you will not sin is not so that people can't do what they want, it's so that they will not be slaves to anything. But if anyone does... We have an advocate with the Father, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning. It means to to make atonement for something means to, to fulfill what we couldn't fulfill ourselves. And not only for our sins, and he just makes a point, and the reason he's making this point, by the way, is primarily because his audience, like many of the audiences in this day, don't don't believe that it's for everyone. Because they believe that God shows special favor on special people. John, probably in this time, although it's not clear here, many people believed that it was only for people who were Jewish. Of course, most of us here are probably not Jewish. So what he's saying here, though, for us, is that it's for everyone. There is no sin too big, too small. There is no ignoring sin for too long and then, and then confessing it. It doesn't matter. It's almost too good to be true. He just says at the end, I'm writing this to you so you won't do this. But hey, if anyone does, we have Jesus, who himself is the righteous one, where we are not, who is the atoning sacrifice for us. So why, why is this the gospel? Like, why is this the message? Why does God want to be a light? Why does God want us to confess sin? Unless, like, like why, what's the point? Why? And it's because God's nature, just like verse 1, it's about who God is. God is light. The other thing that God is, which it says here, is he's father. And what a father wants to do for his children is not chastise them for being imperfect when he knows why they're imperfect. He knows we have sin and he knows why. It's not simply to chastise us for it. It's to heal it. And the only way he can heal it is by us coming to him as a helpless child to a father who can heal it. And when we as a child act like we don't have an issue or we have no need of him, we deceive ourselves and we are on our own in the darkness, separated from God by our independence. And this is the picture of the, this is the real picture of the gospel. It's not that God is expecting people or wanting people to be perfect. It's that he's wanting people to accept their brokenness and to come to him to be healed from it or to, to go to him and receive the one thing, the one person who is not broken, to rely on Jesus who was not broken for us and not try to even not be broken. Christianity is not about being perfect. It's about admitting imperfection and then receiving purification from God, counting on it from him. You guys can come forward. Christians are not people, I try to catch this point, Christians are not people who police and point out other people's sin. I don't know if you catch that, but this is like an application of what he's saying. That might be what Christians do, okay? But for the passage, people who have taken the truth to heart are not people who police and point out other people's sin. They are people who have become aware of their own, their own brokenness, and who then confess it 
and turn away from it and depend on Jesus' promise to forgive them and to purify them. It doesn't mean that there's never a place to call somebody out for something that they've done. But it's like when Jesus says, you know, if you're so bent on, on pointing out other people's sins, first you should take the log out of your own eye and then you can point out the splinter in your neighbor's eye. What he's saying is, not that there's never a time, it's just that there's something that always comes first. And that is taking the own thing out of yours because everybody has stuff in their eye. And actually, and the, the subtext is that the kind of person that just wants to point other things out in other people is the kind of person that can't see very clearly, who's in the darkness, who has something hiding their eye, like a huge log. Jesus is, is joking with them, really. So just some, some application. Is my life... You can just ask yourself these questions. By the way, I don't care. Uh, I'm not sure how to say this. <laughs> I don't care if you get it. It's the part of the passage. It's my application. Is I only care if I get it. You see, like you shouldn't care if anyone else gets it. Yes, maybe a place of love, and you want somebody to really get it. But I mean, like you shouldn't be worried about anybody else. Not ever, not that there's never a place, but primarily, always, you should be asking yourself, not from a place of shame, but from a place of health, do I get it? Is my life characterized by confession? I mean that in every sense of the word. Do I see myself as a person who is aware of my brokenness in a way that says, God, heal me, not in a way that runs away from it? Or do I run from sin? Do I run from mistakes I've made or issues I have? Or do I claim outright or quietly that I'm fine? True discipleship, true living out Christianity is just this, by the way. I I said at the end that there's something for you, for anybody, whether we believe or not. The pathway of light, if you want to use that image today to become a Christian, to follow Jesus, is to walk in the light. To come into the light is to accept the reality of who you are and who God is. That's it. Which you don't need to figure out because it says very clearly that God is light and you are not and that you have this thing overtaking your life called sin. That it's bad for you, it's bad for other people, it's the problem with our world, it's the way the Bible describes what's wrong with our world. And by accepting personally that it's true for me, and that God has offered purification from that in Jesus, healing from that, a gift, then you're in the light. It's as simple as that. Then you're a Christian. Do you feel needy and dependent on God for everything? The right answer should probably be no. But that's how you know. Answering no to the question with an understanding that you want to be that is a sign that you're in the light. Do you feel completely dependent on God for every sense of righteousness in your life? By the way, what this does to a person is it doesn't make a person feel like nothing. It doesn't make a person feel like they're you know, like, like 
they can't look at God and they're nothing and they're worthless. It doesn't do that to somebody, actually. Because what the light does is it shows you who you really are. And the good news about sin, actually, is that if the problem is sin, something that's come over me, something that I've lived in and taken part in, and it can be purified, what it means is once sin is gone, what is left is me, which isn't sin. And it's relationship with God that is right and whole, and it's relationship with other people that is right and it's whole. And so coming to terms with my sin is just coming to terms with the brokenness that I am guilty of, that I have done, that I still walk in. But coming to terms with it, accepting it, confessing it, giving it to God, opens me up to the potential of finding life. Even the peace of forgiveness, the peace of letting go, the peace of remembering that I can't do it. I couldn't do it. I can't do it. I don't have to do it. It's, a, it's just a walk of letting go. It's a message to just be real, number one, with yourself. And that's what I invite you to do. As they're going to play a song and we're going to take communion. To just have a moment by yourself of being real with yourself. The more things that you can admit to yourself, the more things you have to give to God. The more forgiveness you can receive. The more peace you can receive. Accepting that we need him. Accepting that God is not expecting me to meet a standard right now. He's expecting me, hoping that I will accept that I have not met his standard. And instead receive his righteousness, instead receive what he's given me and not try to work for anything myself. This place of surrender, this place of being authentic and real makes a person loving it makes a person live out in their life compassion to people. But you only get compassion by first going through the path of surrendering. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.